The Centers for Disease Control say that people over 60 years old can take a flu shot, a COVID shot, and an RSV shot all on the same day. Yet one of the heads of the FDA explains why he's not going to be taking them all at once and how he's going to split them up. So let's talk about it. Hey, everybody, it's Dr. David. So as you know, as um, a person who believes in medical freedom and autonomy and a person's parent's right to make a decision as to what the best thing is for themselves, as well as for their children, including such things as reproductive health and vaccine choice. Um, this was something that really caught my eye when I saw that one of the real big heads of the FDA and especially in charge of vaccines says that he's kind of worried about taking um, the, multiple vaccines at the same time. And I really just kind of wanted to explore that. You know, as a pediatrician, this is obviously something that I've been on the front lines of for 25 years now. Okay. And obviously, um, many people come to my practice because I am more open minded and willing to talk about these things. And certainly, there are some families who come to my practice who choose to never give a vaccine. That's a, min a minority. That's not a, a, a ton of people. But more often, families are coming to me because they don't want to follow the CDC schedule and they're more interested in giving it either delayed, split up. Sometimes they may assess that there's one or two vaccines that they're more um, interested in that they want to get caught up with sooner or to do sooner. Other ones they may feel is not nearly as important for their um, for their child and may want to address later or not at all. And we firmly believe that's a, a parent's right to make that decision. And we want to help them do what they want. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because, you know, if you knew the amount of scorn that I have received over the past 25 years, although it has gotten better the past five or six years, I'd say, but the amount of scorn is because I've been facilitative of these uh, people. Most doctors, as you know, pediatricians won't let you in the door. They'll kick you out of the practice um, if you're not fully vaccinating on time. And of course, that leaves these children often without any pediatrician to take care of all the other stuff that we want to make sure of everything from vision and, and development and behaviors and growth and adequate nutrition, um, you know, being prepared for school, all of these super important things that we want to check on, you know, teaching about adolescent health and being there to guide pe families through all of that stuff. And if you don't have a pediatrician, you're really a little bit behind the game because we are the experts in those things. Okay. And I would say that's true for any pediatrician, not pe just people who subscribe to my approach to vaccines. But, you know, I do firmly as a pediatrician board uh, side, board certified pediatrician, card carrying member of the Academy of Pediatrics. And pediatricians do a lot of really great things, including that. So, you know, there's some things I have some disagreements on and I'm choosing to take my own path on, but that doesn't downgrade the importance of so many other things that pediatricians do bike helmets safely car safety fire alarms pool um pool safety all of these things are stuff that we routinely are talking about when we have our checkups okay let alone how do you properly examine a child right i mean there's an art try examining a two or three-year-old who doesn't want to be examined there is an art to that um and you know when i have nurse practitioner students who follow with me um who follow me in the office i'll, I'll often say to them or anybody else like watch what i'm doing with my body with my hands my arms my elbows in order to properly secure a child not hurt the child but to be able to get to where i can do to uh, to create it and most parents don't even realize i'm doing those things but that's an art to that and over the years i've learned how to protect myself you don't want to be get kicked in the face you don't want to be peed on we have to check out the private parts of a, of a of a boy when you're taking down a diaper to make sure that their testicles are there and all that so all of that are just incredibly important things that we learn how to do okay now as far as um this um 
we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, the vaccine choices um, and, and you know, my approach there. These very interesting comments from this Dr. Peter Marks, the one I was referring to, who's one of the heads of the FDA and what he's choosing to do for himself. But also we're going to talk a little bit about how we how I prepare people um, immunologically for um, in terms of supplements before and after vaccines to try to make as good of a um, and proper reaction by the immune system as possible. OK, so. In terms of the parental choice, as I said, if, if I'm choosing, um, if I'm, I want people to be able to make their own choices, I'm here to educate them. We should talk about the risk versus benefit, the pro versus con of every decision. Okay. And so, for instance, when a family comes to me and says, you know, I know that they want me to do a they want me to do a hepatitis B shot to, at, when, at, at birth, and then again, two more. And then a family will say, but my child is not shooting up. It's not having sex. Um, I was hepatitis negative. What's the risk to my child of catching hepatitis B? Of which the answer is virtually none whatsoever. You know, I once had this doctor who um, got in my face about this and said, well, how do you know that a kid's not going to be walking on the beach and cuts their foot on a shell and somebody with hepatitis B is walking on that same beach and cuts their foot on that same shell 15 minutes earlier? Of which I said, I guess that's possible. Man, that's a remote situation. There's a lot of shells on the on, on the beach. But not only that, that kid, unfortunately, is more likely to get in a fatal car accident driving to or from the beach than to ever have that possibly happen. So I guess if in that in that scenario, I told the doctor that would seem that you'd want to ban the cars so they can't get to the beach in the first place or travel because that's a more dangerous proposition. And kind of shut him up he went up on its way but i remember that very distinctly that was back when i was in palm beach many years ago but it's the, certainly a story that stuck with me um now the american academy of pediatrics recommends eight different vaccines be given on one day um for the um, um at two months of age the hepatitis b diphtheria pertussis tetanus polio prevnar which is streptococcal pneumonia hib and rotavirus hemophilus influenza b and rotavirus and as I said, many of my patients say, gosh, that sounds like a lot of things to be introducing to my child at once. The fact that there are interactions, you know, we are all exposed to many types of viruses and bacteria on a daily basis. But at the same time, we get exposed to them through a natural route, whether we breathe it, swallow it, touch our hands, whatever, touch our noses. They're not injected into our body. And we know for sure that when a, a, when a vaccine is injected, there is a different immune response that happens. Okay, when we breathe it in our stomachs, we IgA, that's the immunoglobulin that sits on our nasal passages, that sits on our um, gut. Those are our first line of defense. Okay, and if you inject it, you bypass that. Okay, and so um, there are, and there are other immunological mechanisms that come along that can, makes it an art. It, it, by definition, it's an artificial immune response. You know, I'm one who believe we should have created vaccines to be taken the same way that nature provided it to us. And then maybe we would respond in a natural approach. Now, maybe tetanus could be argued as the opposite of that because that is by injection, but you can't do that tetanus without getting the pertussis and the diphtheria there as well. Okay. So um, one of the things that I've always thought, and we're going to come back to what this doctor just said is, you know, we recommend as pediatricians, one of the sage advices is, you know, when baby food starts around five months, six months of age, we recommend do not give multiple foods at the same day. Give one food, wait several days, give it a few days to see if there's any negative reactions. Then you could bring the next one in. And if the if there's two things that are fine and you can mix them together eventually, fine. So if you do fine with peas for a while and you do fine with carrots for a while, you can have peas and carrots. But we don't recommend starting off with peas and carrots. 
Yet, as I said here, with all of these different vaccines being given at two months of age, which is actually why do they, you know why do we typically say wait until five to six months of age for baby food? Because we know if it's given too early, they're more likely to have allergies. They're more likely to have a negative reaction. Okay, so here we are giving vaccines at two months of age. I understand why the schedule calls for that. Obviously, there are babies who are in daycare who have high exposures um, to things before six months of age. But I do think it's interesting that we say hold off on foods and give them one at a time until five, six months of age because of concerns of reactions to those foreign substances and foods entering the body the way that nature intended it to, again, as opposed to by injection. So these are some of the concerns that, I, that I've heard about and the considerations that we talk about in our practice. Okay. So, um, yeah, we should, we should space out our baby foods you can take with, and we should wait on our baby foods. You can do with that information what you wish. Okay. Now here's what the news is. So this Dr. Peter Marks, now he's not just any doctor. Okay. He's not some, um, underling in the, in the FDA. He is the d director of the center for biologics, for biologics, evaluation and research. Okay. So he's, in the in the mix for all of the vaccine discussions okay he's a hematologist oncologist who has a full understanding of blood reactions you know um immunologists fall into um immunological understanding although not an immunologist certainly a hematologist dealing with uh antibodies and and blood reactions white blood cells right so that's there um he also did help establish Operation Warp Speed back when uh, when COVID um, vaccines were first starting to be put forth at what some people may have thought was at a too fast of a clip that didn't necessarily do the types of research that's normally done for vaccines and things that were not found out until afterwards, like the rare but present myocarditis and some of the other issues that people are having. Um, you know, they obviously weren't picked up because the research was, was not, there was not enough observation done before they were um, authorized, emergency youth authorization um, for, by, the, by the government. Okay, um, you know he's also a member of the um, the White House um, corona, um, coronavirus task force. Oh, so uh, again, somebody who's very involved in promoting vaccines. Okay, now the comments that he made was during a recent call to with FDA um, stakeholders. Okay, people who are involved get information from the share. Um, you know, large um, insurance companies, hospital companies, um, vaccine producers, drug manufacturers, etc. So these were his comments. Now, he said um, that the, you know, one could get RSV, so that's respiratory syncytial virus. This is a virus that is most problematic for young children, especially under six months of age, can cause wheezing, can cause respiratory distress, even respiratory failure in rare, but it can happen in significant hospitalizations, etc. Um, it has been found, and most, most people, once they're past a few years of age, we probably had it. Most of us had it as a cold, and we have immunity. But they are finding that after you hit like in, into senior age, like around six, 60 and above, that their immunity, as with a lot of things, are, are has worn off. And so there is a new recommendation to um, do a and there's a new adult form of the RSV vaccine. OK, um, of course, influenza vaccine, which we know that there's an annual flu vaccine that uh, I've talked about before. And of course, the covid vaccine and the new booster, et cetera. But they're saying that it can be done all on the same day. And he said that he does support this, but he said he probably wouldn't do it for himself. No. Why? OK, this is what he said. OK, he said getting up to three vaccines at the same time could lead to more side effects like a strong, like more fatigue, more likely to develop a fever in the days after getting a shot. He then said. Spacing out the vaccines um, by about two weeks minimizes the chances of interactions and minimizes confusing side effects between one and the other. 
Ah, that's isn't that our baby food, right? Isn't that what we're trying to watch out for? The stuff that I have gotten such scorn for over the years for doing kind of exactly what this gentleman, this doctor has said, right? And so, you know, he mentions being concerned about getting all three of these vaccines on the same day. I wonder how he feels about getting eight vaccines on the same day in a two-month-old who doesn't have a developed immune system yet. Now, I haven't seen him on record. If he doesn't take the same stance for this, I would certainly say that's pretty hypocritical. But, you know, certainly you don't hear anything from the CDC, FDA, anybody talking about what the impact could be on a young child when they're getting that many. You know, there's a lot there. Okay. Now, um, so, you know, everybody makes their own decisions. Okay. You know, in our practice, we even for people who choose to vaccinate, whatever vaccines they do, they do. There are certain things that we do. We have our vaccine immune protocol um, where we use our vitamin A in the high doses for the day before the day of the day after, where we give vitamin C, zinc, echinacea or larix, which is a similar um, arabinogalactan that's found in echinacea for a few days before until a few days after. And I've shared, um, that's part of our immune support protocol that I know I've shared before. And it's in our patient, um, all this is in our patient portal and in our Patreon. um, um, Members have an opportunity to see all that information right there as well. But, you know, and not just that, ideally, I would love to optimize vitamin D levels, zinc levels, avoiding high processed foods and sugars, things that inflame the system that can throw our immune systems off. Okay, Um, and I like to, you know, methylation genetics, if a person has an MTHFR mutation, getting them the right form of folate B12s, all of those types of things. I'd like to have all that stuff optimized before giving a vaccine. Okay. Um, also, I believe don't give a vaccine if you're sick or if you have other forms of significant inflammation, eczema during an asthma attack, autoimmune diseases that are out of control. Okay. You know, the CDC says you can give a vaccine to somebody if they're sick, as long as their fever is not super high. You know, my feeling is, hey, if the, if the immune system's off dealing with this, why don't we let that settle down? Cytokines are already raging when you have an infection, etc. Same thing with autoimmunity inflammatory conditions. Wouldn't it be nice to have the immune system closer to a baseline situation when you're doing something that is by definition supposed to rev up the immune system, rev up the inflammation, the cytokines, etc. Okay, so, you know, overall, what's my take? Of course, I'm going to continue to do what I think is right. By all means, if a family wants to vaccinate according to the schedule, of course, I'm going to subscribe to that because, again, that's part of my parental choice belief system. Okay, but of course, you know, here in our practice, you know, we welcome any family who wishes to um, to see us who if they do want to follow an alternative vaccine. So if they want whatever they follow for their own belief that they how they want to proceed with vaccines or not. Okay, Um, and I do just for those who don't know, I do vaccine consultations as part of an educational consultation for my Dr. David MD, drdavidmd.com is the website for that. My people throughout the country, even throughout the world, consult with me on maybe they want to have more information about the the way I do the tests or interpret the tests or to put together a schedule that is in line with their belief system, how they want to get caught up or how to deal with the school systems um, in terms of with different types of exemptions that one may need if they're not up to date by the time they start school. So by all means, if there's anybody out there you know anybody who is wanting that information they can reach out to us so hope you learned something have a nice day